Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. All right. Here's the quote this morning. Heaven is full of answers to prayers for which no one ever bothered to ask. I want to share a message this morning like you've been asking. Amen? Now listen, we've been doing a study on 2 Corinthians. If, you, if you've been here for a couple of weeks, you know. And, and we're almost done with that book. But I felt the need to step away this morning. Because you see, it's awesome to read about what God has done. And, and I believe that's our duty and our privilege. But unlike other books, unlike other authors, the inspiration for this book is not dead. Somebody say amen. amen. The author's not dead. Amen. So, so along with reading and sharing about, you know, what God has done, we need to be careful to include and talk about not only what God has done, but what God is doing. All right? We can kill these. They're real blaring over here. I want to work on your faith this morning. Mark didn't know that. Pastor Mark didn't know that. But I want to work on your faith this morning. I want to, I want to see the, the, the faith of this body increase this morning. Amen? More than it already has, believe it or not. See, Romans 12.3 says we've all been given a measure of faith. Every one of us have been given a measure of faith. So how do we make that measure grow? Good question. The, the answer is in Romans 10.17. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing comes from hearing the word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing from hearing the message. Amen? So I, I, I want to I see it increase this more. I want to watch faith grow today. Because you need, see, without faith it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11.6. And, and the problem is the church loves to hear about and read about in the Word all these people of great faith, but rarely do we think we can be one. Come on, am I talking to anybody today? See, we, we have to be careful not to superheroize those people in the Word. God is very careful in His Word not to, to make anybody superheroes in the Word. And it, it, when you read about anybody in the Word, you will get the good, the bad, and the fail. Right? You won't find, try, I'll challenge you, find me one perfect husband besides Christ. Find me one perfect husband throughout your whole study of the Word. Find me one perfect family, one perfect mother, one perfect uncle, cousin, sister, friend, neighbor. There is not one. We'll get the good, the bad, and the ugly about everybody. Right? And, and, but the thing is, there's nothing more boring than a dead faith that idolizes superheroes in the faith, but never tries to do anything super. Amen? Isn't it time for the church to be supernatural again? Amen? And, and so if we're gonna be supernatural, we gotta try some super things. Amen? Well, alright. I wanna read from, from, come, come on now. I wanna read a story from the Word this morning. I want you to hear this story. It's about an event that took place hundreds of years ago with people that no one here has ever met or has any connection to. And then I wanna share a story about the same God that still moves today. You ready? Come on, please stand for the reading of the word. Amen. The reading comes from Nehemiah chapter 1. 
The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hagaliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislev. In the twentieth year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, the Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exiles in great trouble and shame, the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which have which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather you and bring them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant. And to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was the cupbearer to the king. Amen. 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 Let me tell you what's happening there. Quick history. Here's the situation. It's about a thousand years after the time of Moses. It's about 400 years before the time of Jesus. The nation of Israel, the Jewish people, they're in some bad shape right now. The city of Jerusalem is completely destroyed. I don't have time to get into the how they got to this point, but the problem is they're here. They're in a bad place in their history right now. Now church, you could be here today and you might find yourself there. And so the issue isn't how did we get there, the important thing right now is how to get out. Amen? See, the, the, the way they got there was just a lot of disobedience. It was just failure to follow God's plan. How many of you believe that God has a plan for you? See, God has plans laid out for us. And I know, man, as Christians, we love to quote Jeremiah 29, 11. For I knoweth the plans I that, that I have for thee. Plans to declare your God to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Somebody say amen. amen. Right? We know that, that 29-11, right? I know that God has a plan. But you know, wait, how come we only have the first part of that memorized? Does anybody know what 12 says? Anybody? Anybody stand up, quote it, without reading it? Isn't that sad? <laughs> We're standing on a bumper sticker scripture. You know why we only have the first part memorized? Because that's the part we like. 
Let me read you 12. It says, when you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen, says your God. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. God's decree, I'll turn things around for you. I will bring you back from the countries into which I drove you. God's decree, I will bring you home to the place from which I sent you off into exile, you can count on it. See, God has a plan for us, but we have to walk in it. That's not good preaching. We have to want it. We have to be serious about wanting it. Listen, I I share this a lot. I learn a lot of lessons from my daughters. One of my daughters, when she wants something, she is relentless. I'll let you figure out who that is. I call her one track. Me and my, me and my wife call her one track. Because when something's in her head and this is what she wants, she will not let go of that like a pit bull. She will not, she'll lock on, she will not let go of that until it comes to pass. She's relentless. She will use everything, everything throughout the day, everything that happens to connect it back to that one thing. See, see, daddy, it's raining. That's, that's a sign that God wants you to get me the thing that I asked you for. See, see, it's not raining. That too is a sign that God wants you to get me the thing that I want to get. You, you see, you see how you trip, daddy? That's because you're tripping and you're not walking in what God wants for you. And what God wants for you is the thing that I want. And and it'll be one track, one track, one. We're watching a TV show, and that thing will be on the TV show. See? See? How stubborn are you going to be and listen to God? When are you going to give in to the Lord, Pastor? One track. And, and, and man, you, that's what God is saying here in Jeremiah. I got plans for you beyond what you can imagine, but it's when you're serious about following me. I promise. You won't be let down. When you're relentless, I will turn things around for you. Church, don't stand on the bumper sticker. Know the entire promise. See, when we only read the bumper sticker sticker version of the word, we'll be disappointed every time. But you know what? It's your own fault. And, and, and the fault of all the clever, crafty preachers and teachers, and they'll have to be held accountable one day for that. For not giving you the full truth. Amen? Because the full truth is not always amenable. The full truth sometimes assaults us. The full truth sometimes makes us uncomfortable. The full truth sometimes shouts us out and we think we're the only one in the room that we've got to speak into. But, but, but the half truth is always lovely. I know that God has plans for you, my brother. Amen. Right? But... But imagine now we went up to a, to a visitor. God has plans for you, my brother. When you turn from the junk that you're doing and you start walking in the things God has for you, then God's going to turn that thing around. Now the visitor is up and out the door. That brother's offensive. But you see, when we only hang on to the one piece of it, we end up thinking, man, God has a plan for me and I believe it, but this plan sucks. 
Right? It's playing socks. Anybody ever said that? Come on. Amen. Good. We got some at least honest people. I don't have to add lying to your, your line of sins today this morning. Hypocrites, right? No, we're good. So, all right, back to history. So, Jerusalem has been destroyed. It's been captured by the Babylonians. So, God's people, according to his word, have been scattered. Why? Because they wanted to do whatever they want. Right? They wanted to live their way. They wanted to do things their own way. And, and listen, let, let me give you a, a, a quick theological breakdown. Sometimes when, when we want to keep doing things our way, God lets us. Anybody been there? See, so sometimes we think, well, we're Christians, and so God's not going to let us go too far, and so we like to push those lines. You're like, come on, and pushing against the will and push. And sometimes God will move, and he just let us go. So that's where you want to go, go. Awesome thing is that the grace of God is always there to catch us. The grace of God is there to receive us while there's time. Amen? But, but, but sometimes God will let you do those things. But you see, when, when God sent his people into exile, he promised them, watch this, he, they kept on and they kept on, and I don't have time to get into the whole history of the number, but they kept on and kept on. God said, okay, that's it. For 70 years, you guys are going to be exiled from your home country. You're going to be scattered all over the earth. You're gonna, I'm going to have people come and drive you away, and they're going to beat and, 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 and abuse everything. You're going to be, because you wanted things your own way, you can have it your own way. Now you're out from under the covering, you're out from under the protection, and so now the Babylonians come in and and God just allowed everybody to come in and chase everybody out. But God says, but listen, remember this, after 70 years, I'll call you out of exile and I'll bring you back from wherever you've been scattered. Right. And so after 70 years, he said he would gather them back. So now after 70 years, they were allowed to come back to Jerusalem. Until that time, Jerusalem was a ghost town. There was nothing. Everything laid in rubble. Everything that was valuable about Jerusalem was stolen, was taken. The temple destroyed. And you know, the temples were made with a lot of riches and valuables. Everything's gone. Jerusalem is a ghost town. Now, it's 70 years after, and, and the, 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 the people, there's a remnant that remember, wait, God said after 70 years we can go back. And so, they were allowed to come back to Jerusalem, but many of them had already made the place where they were exiled to their home. They had gotten comfortable in the world outside of God's will. I'm not talking to anybody today. Family, sometimes because of our decisions and our actions, we, we remove ourselves from, from where God wants us to be, and then when God's grace pulls us back and offers us back, we're too comfortable in our sin. That's why it's so dangerous to not be part of the church. That's why the Word says, don't forsake the gathering together of the saints. We need to come together. Because, listen, and, and, and you guys can, can, can testify, when we stay away for too long, it gets too easy to not come back. Amen? How many of you have been away for a long time? Right? It gets too easy to not come back. It gets too easy to, to fall back and say, you know what? If this is where I'm going to be, I'm going to make the best of it. If this is, and, and we get comfortable away from where God has us. We love our lifestyle more than we love God. So what happened here? Only 2% of the Jews came back to Jerusalem. And in the time of Ezra, you can read, they rebuilt the temple and they tried many times to rebuild the city, but, but there weren't enough of them and there was too much opposition. 
And so here we are a hundred years later and the city of Jerusalem is still destroyed. The walls were, the city walls were still in rubble. Now understand something about that time. A city with no walls was a, was a useless city. It was a city that had no value. Why? Because if a city had wall, if a city has no walls and you build something of value, people come in and take it. It's just like the bronze, right? It, it, you know, you, you, could, you could set up flat screens in your living room and set up, you know, Blu-ray systems and surround sound, but take the doors off your apartment and see what's going to happen. Gone, right? Your own cousins will come and steal it from you. Like, you ain't got no doors, right? And so that's how these people felt. Jerusalem felt worthless. They, they felt like they were a city of no value because, you know, it, it was stolen. They were, they were a city of no worth. It was disgraceful to live in this city right now. They felt shame. They, they lived in distress all the time because anybody could come in from anywhere and do anything to them. You, you understand that feeling? They, they were, as a matter of fact, the Jews in that time, they were called survivors. Can you imagine? That's your title, survivor. Listen, you might be a survivor today. Maybe you've run away. Maybe you've come back. You might have fallen at some point and you've come back. And you, you might just be making it today, trying to stay focused. In this walk, trying to recover from all the issues you've been through. But, but like the Jews in that time, they lived in stress. They, they felt because of their disobedience, they no longer had any value. Anybody been there? Because of the, the things that they've done, they feel like they, they're not worth anything. Family, listen, God didn't call us to survive. God called us to be overcomers. God called us to be more than conquerors. Amen? See, symbolically, coming back to Jerusalem is symbolic for you and I coming back to God, coming back under His covering. And family, I need you to hear this. When you come back, your sin debt is paid. When you come back, you are not your mistakes any longer. Oh, can somebody just get that? If two people got that today, we did what we had to do. You are not your mistakes. Amen? You have been adopted. You're a king's kid and there's nothing, nobody holding back on you anymore. So if that's you today, you could understand the place that, that they're in right now. They feel worthless. They feel valueless. They feel like they can't move forward. They feel like when you're singing, get higher, they're singing, the highest I can get is just to at least be here. You understand? They feel like they can't get any higher. So because, you know, they've returned to God, but... But here's the thing, God's promises are still true. And so, because they've returned to God, God is about to do something in their favor. Amen? God is working in your favor today. Somebody, somebody say amen to that. So, so this is the state that Jerusalem is in. Nehemiah hears about it. That's what we just read on, on Nehemiah 1. He hears about it, and, and God is about to do something with Nehemiah. But first, God has to do something in Nehemiah. Because listen, any great work of God begins with a great work in God's people. Right? And so Nehemiah hears about it, and the first thing he does is he weeps, and he mourns, he fasts, and he prays about it. Church, sometimes we can hear about some bad things, right? And, and, and uh, to, sadly, you know, the, our response is like, whoa, sucks to be them. Right? Like, wow, that happened? Wow, that's, that's bad. You know, that's, that, I feel bad, you know. And, and then there are times that God puts something heavy on our hearts. 
And, and there's sometimes that we know we can't just pray like God do something or God send somebody. Sometimes we, we, we have to have that, that prayer that Nehemiah, Nehemiah had a heart for God's people. And so he prays prayers like this. He says, God, take this burden from me or make me the man to carry this burden. Hmm. That, that's the prayer the church should be praying. Amen. See, Nehemiah is a book about leadership. We're going to learn some awesome things about, uh, about leadership from there. Nehemiah has a heart for God's people, so he weeps for them. And if you listen in his prayers that we just read, and you can find that in Nehemiah chapter 1, he identifies with the people, he repents with them before the Lord, and then he does something crazy that we see all shakers and movers in the Bible that are about to do big things. They do this. In verse 8, he says, in his prayer, he says, God... Remember your word. See, so some of us are not bold. We're not at that level yet to talk to God like that. We think we got to talk to God like, God. No, no. When God gives us something, it's okay to give it back to him. Right? That's not, that's not arrogance. That's not um, um, uh, lack of humility. That's, thank you, bro. When that, that's, that's, that's standing and believing. Nehemiah says, God, remember your word. You said that you would scatter the unfaithful, but if they return to you, if they follow you, you would gather them up again. And so, so Nehemiah says, God, you promised, listen to my prayer and grant me compassion and make me successful in this. See, Nehemiah prays, he prepares, and then he proceeds. Church, we get this twisted all the time. A lot of times we go, then we pray. I'm moving to Florida. When I get to Florida... God, find me a church, God. God, get me connected with people like I had back home. God, get me. God, 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 my kids are wilding out. God, my kids are doing drugs down here. God, oh God, we got to move Florida. You, you know what I'm saying? We, we go and then we pray. Listen, a lot of times we buy, then we ask. We buy the house. Oh God, your word says you're Jehovah Jireh. Now we know Latin. We know everything, right? God, you're, we know all the names of God because they're written on the walls over there on this, in, the, in the lobby. And we say, God, you know, you're going to supply and, and, and you understand, right? We get it twisted. We buy the car and say, God, you're going to supply the payments. God, you're so good. We connect and then we cover. What do I mean by that? We get the boyfriend. We get the girlfriend. God, now just work on their heart. Make them a Christian. Make them love you more than I love you. Nehemiah prays, he prepares, and then he proceeds. Amen? So, so chapter 1 ends, Nehemiah was the cupbearer for the king. Ne- chapter 1 ends letting us know who Nehemiah was. Nehemiah had a very trusted position. He was, God had placed him someplace extremely high up in the ranks. He, he was the cupbearer to the king. In those days, to wipe out a king, they'll poison him. Right? So the cupbearer had to be a very trusted person. The, the cupbearer had to be somebody that would sip the wine before he gave it to Nehemiah. Because he, I mean, he had to trust him that much. Amen? So it lets us know kind of where, listen, some of us, God has us in some places. You think, man, I hate this job, I hate this company, I hate this, I hate this place, I hate this city, I hate the Bronx, I hate my, right? But, but you have to understand, God has you in a place. 
where he's going to use you. Amen? And so if we would just accept the assignment, then maybe we could be done and get out of that job. But we keep fighting the assignment, we're going to be there 30 years. Retire and get the pen. Right? But if we accept the assignment and we say, okay, 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 God, okay, God, it's Monday. What am I going to do here at this place so I can bounce? Right? What, what, so I can, so I can be from, anyway, alright, let's move on. So the, the chapter two tells us he goes before the king one day looking sad. His heart is heavy. Remember, he's been crying. He's been weeping. He's been hurt for his people that are suffering eight, 80 miles away, I mean, some, some far where he's at, but he has a heart for these people. So chapter 2 tells us he goes before the king, and because he has such a relationship with the king, the king tells him, man, what's wrong with you? You look sad. You look depressed. What's going on? And so Nehemiah uses this, and, 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 he, says, and, and, and he says, well, how can I be happy when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins? And its walls are destroyed, and its people are living in distress. And so the king says, well, what are you asking? Come on, stay with me. The king says, well, what are you asking? And the word says, if you read it there in four and verse 4 and verse 5 of chapter 2, he says, praying under my breath to the God of heaven, he says to the king, if it please the king, and if the king thinks well of me, send me to Judah, to the city where my family is buried, so that I can rebuild it. The king says, how long are you going to be gone? And so he tells him, and the king says, okay. But, but, but he says, okay, go. So he releases them, but that's not it. Now, see, timing is everything with God, and God is moving, and so Nehemiah keeps asking. Nehemiah lives 800 miles away. He says, if it pleases the king, he already got the go, right? He already got the yes. Somebody say amen. Amen. He already told him, yeah, go. Go and build your king. Nehemiah says, no, man, I'm not going to just go and go do this. How about this? He goes, if it pleases the king, send me with letters to all of the governors across the Euphrates that would authorize my passage. And that's not it. God is moving, so he keeps asking. He says, and give me a letter to the keeper of the king's forest to supply me with all of the lumber that I need to build these walls and to build the house that I'll be living in. Somebody say, that's bold. Right? So, what is he saying? He says, thanks for letting me go, king, but I want your easy path and I want your Home Depot credit card. Right? Thanks for sending me, but how am I going to get there? I'm a cupbearer on this salary. I can't make nothing happen. Give me your easy path and your Home Depot card. And so, the king says, Fine. The king sends him with a cavalry escort and he says, do like you've been asking. Go like you've been asking, go and do. And he equips him and give him. Now, isn't that an awesome story? And, and, and it gets heavier and deeper, but I don't have time to finish that story. Maybe we'll go back to Nehemiah one day and finish it. But the lesson so far is this. Nehemiah has a heart for God's people. We got to be about the body of Christ. Amen. Two, having God's favor is better than money. Understand, having God's favor is better than money. God's favor, he didn't give him any money, you notice? No money. Why? He could have got beaten up and had the money stolen. He had a letter from the king. So anybody stops him, he says, yo, yo, read the letter. You want to mess with this dude? Read the letter. Oh, I didn't think so. Thank you. 
And every time he got stopped, read the letter, Papa. He probably had it planted on his chest. I'm a king's kid where I'm going. Come on, come on. Somebody grab that. I'm a king's kid where I'm going. I'm safe. Where I'm going, I'm covered. Where I'm going, I'm provided for. Read the letter. Sometimes he probably got discouraged and he had to read the letter. He said, oh, wait a minute. That's right. The king said I can go. The king said I can have anything I want. The king said anything I ask for, he'll give me. The king said, hold up. Yeah, 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 I forgot, I forgot. I thought I was some Satan's punks. No, I'm a king's kid, wherever I go, amen? So, so, so there's, the, the, there's that lesson, having God's favor is better than money. The next thing is, God has a plan for your life, but you have to discover it and walk in it. And that takes prayer and commitment, but God will stay true to his word and will keep his promises, Amen? So that's the first story. I have a second story to tell you, and I promise it's going to be real short. As a matter of fact, worship team, you guys can come up. Let's get ready to bring this. I'm going to bring that story home. I said, this is a story about somebody that none of you know, that none of you are related to, that none of you are connected to. And, and sometimes it's easy to read and, and say, uh, I don't know what that has to do with my life today. Right? I want to tell you the second story and show you how this connects. I want to show you how God works. Amen? Anybody excited? This is the crazy story. God laid a burden on our hearts, the sanctuary, for His people, the church. See, we've always wanted to provide a sanctuary, a place where the hurting could find healing, a place where the truly thirsty could drink, a place where the hungry could have and find the bread of life. Amen? And all without the religious burdens that destroy and deteriorate the body. And so we've prayed as a church and we've repented and we've stood with God's promises and recently we've discerned that we needed to grow. That we needed to take more space. That we needed to have more room to do more things to reach more people. Amen? And so, so re- recently we, we, we said, you know, this is where we need to do. And, and we want to build things and we want to do things correctly. And so we came up with a little silly campaign, the taking of 1469. For those of you not that quick, the address is 1469. So the taking of 1469 meant, you know, taking this building. Amen? Just want to make sure we're all on the same page. And so, so the goal was to raise $100,000 to have a down payment to buy this building that's almost $2 million. Obviously, we knew nothing about banking. Because as, you know, we, we started this big step of faith. Once we looked into it further, we realized $100,000 will not even give us enough to buy, to buy this building. Even $100,000 would not give us enough to buy a $2 million building. The banks aren't lending money to anybody unless you already got half of it. If I already had half of it, I don't need to ask you for the other half, amen? But, but that's the state of our economy and where we're at. So, so we realized, we started looking into it further, we realized that wasn't going to give us anything. And, and anyway, besides that fact, we haven't even raised the hundred. And so God dropped it in our hearts to step out in faith and start asking for this building. Through other ways, right? Unconventional ways. And, 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 through, and, and one thing, let me tell you, and, and you might have seen already, 
The first thing that we were worried about, I said, we're not going to make this whole campaign. We're not going to put the thermometer up and have to fill it in with a Sharpie every week. Oh, we've reached this. And so that it looks like that's all this. Just look, every time you go to a church, you see a thermometer someplace with money. And so, yeah, like, it's more prominent than a cross, right? And so, you know, visitors are coming. Oh, that's what this church is at. They're trying to raise $2 million. Look at them. Like every other church. Let me go to the church down the block. Oh, there's the thermometer over there. Oh, there's the thermometer on the, on the bulletin. Oh, there's the thermometer on the website. And, and we said, listen, we're not going to be all about that. We're just going to put it out there and say, listen, this is what God wants us to do. We're going to do it. Whether you do it or we do however God's going to do it. Amen? Because we know that it's pretty ridiculous to try to buy a $2 million building in this economy. We don't have it. Right? So, so we never, you never hear a whole song and a dance. We're not doing 20 minute offering songs, shows and dances to try to get you motivated to give more money. No, listen, listen, this is what we need. Whatever. If you want to be a part of that, be a part of that. Amen. Right? And so through prayer and discernment, you know, God started telling us, man, you need to just ask for this building. Step out in faith, man. Just start asking. And so we started asking. We started with a letter. We wrote a letter asking for it. We, t- we told the, the, the owner, we said, listen, man, we got a, an idea. We got three different options, man. You can give us the building as a tax write-off completely and it's yours. Or, or option B, you can give us a down payment as a tax write-off and da-da-da. Or option three, you can... um." Uh, donate a part and then, you know, we gave them all these beautiful options that sounded really good. And, and we got like, uh, no. <laughs> How about no? And so, alright, fine. So, so, you know, we, we, we actually, to some things we got no replies, to some things we just got no. So now recently we said, no, man, we don't, we gotta keep on. So we, we, I met with some friends of a pastor friend of mine. We got together with some bank guys and they worked out some incredible scenarios. And then in prayer we went to the owner and we dropped it on his table and again we asked, listen, here's what we can do. We can drop $50,000 down and then you could do this or, or you could do this or that or, or, and he's like, nah. And then, and then we said, okay, well, we can, we can do $50,000 and you can do a down payment and you can hold the mortgage and you, and he said, uh, no. And, and so, like, all our options was a quick, it was a three-minute meeting. We was done. And we was like, thank you for coming up. Thank you. Don't let the door hit you with a good Lord split you. So, 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 listen. I, I can't tell you how discouraging. How many of you love to hear no? Right? Ain't nobody want to hear No. So it was discouraging. It's been hard, and it's hard to keep asking. I don't know how my daughters do it, but they do it until they get a yes. <laughs> they, they, they're more spiritual than we are. That's what it is. So, you know, we dropped all these scenarios, and again, we asked, you know, you do this, no thank you. And, and you know, I, I told those of you that come to prayer, the, the 15 of you that come to prayer night, and, and pray, really, right? We, I, I let you guys know, I left that meeting discouraged. I felt like the, like the Jews here in Jerusalem, like we had no value. I felt like, man, we can't afford to do this. I felt like, man, we're like worthless. You know, I, I felt uncovered. I felt like, man, well, God, you know, what do you want me to do? I keep stepping out and you say no. And I, and I felt like I understood that, that feeling of a city with no walls. I understood of having nothing. But, but see, the prayer team and the intercessory team and the leaders here and the prayer warriors of this church, they kept praying and asking. And they kept asking and praying. And little did we know God was at work on our behalf. And God was working things out. Amen? And so I want to read to you the first sentence of a letter that I received the other week from the owner of this property. 
The email had no introduction, no salutations. It simply start, stated, you can purchase the building for $50,000 down like you've been asking. I will add the deposit to the purchase price. I'll charge a slightly higher interest rate, but we're going to get this thing done. And those words, those words in the email, like you've been asking. I said, God, what if we never asked? What if we, what if we were too proud to ask? What if we were too proud to humble ourselves? What if we were too proud and we said, we could do this. We could raise a hundred thousand. We could, but no, he said, like you've been asking. So, I want to let you know, I had another meeting. I went back up and it's settled, man. We have to get our lawyer to meet with his lawyer, do the paperwork, get the title searches and do all the due diligence. And then all we have to do is sit down, hand over 50 grand, which by the way, we're about four or $5,000 short. Just saying. I'm just saying. We hand that over. We sign the, he's holding the private mortgage and we'll own this building and have the rights to go up six floors. But that's not all. Because Nehemiah said while praying under his breath, he kept asking. Right? And so while praying under my breath, I, I said to him in this meeting, he's such a nice guy. He's like a really great guy. I mean, he, I feel like he's my uncle. I said when he says no, then I don't feel like the love. But, but we were having such an awesome conversation. He's, he's a really beautiful dude. He is a really good guy, right? His heart, and he was telling me about timing and everything. So while praying under my breath, I tell him, but you know what, man? This is a big step for us. If we wipe out our complete savings, we won't even have money to start building the other side for a long time. And that's what we really need right now so we can build offices and classrooms on that side and make this a full sanctuary to fit more people. And so the king said, I'll tell you what, as a donation, I'll help you get that other side straightened out. I'll help you build it up a little bit. Church, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His stories continue beyond what we've read in the past. The lesson is have a heart for God's people. Be about the body. Have God's favor is better than money. God has a plan for your life, but you have to discover and walk in it. And it takes prayer and commitment and big steps of faith. But He will stay true to His word and to His promises Family, God is working things out on your behalf. Somebody say amen. Come on, man.